You are entering the Freedom Hut. A court ruling on President Trump's tax records. Will Durham wait until after the election? Biden says defund police. Fauci says time to consider more shutdowns. And who's seen Hamilton the Musical on TV? Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. A pleasure, a privilege, an honor to have you with me as always. The uh, the biggest story today is going to be, of course, this Supreme Court decision that came down. 7-2. That's not as important, not as definitive as some people would like it to be. Uh, you have the Supreme Court saying that, in fact, a New York prosecutor, this is Cy Vance, the district attorney in New York, Democrat, hates Trump, can get Trump's financial records, but has not said yet, the Supreme Court has not said yet, whether the House of Representatives under Nancy Pelosi can get similar documents. Now, let's understand first what is going on here, and then we can speak a bit more about the specifics of of what is at issue. The law has been abused in every way possible, at every stage possible, by Democrats in this process of going after Donald Trump. That's the real goal. Whether we're talking about using the Logan Act to go after General Flynn. Been a couple of hundred years. Nobody's actually been prosecuted, but let's pretend that we may actually prosecute him. Or threatening to send people to prison for a Foreign Agent Registration Act violation, which no American citizen really gets sent to prison for. Usually it's a fine. But this is what happens. The same way that they're willing to lie, they're willing to undermine the very institutions that they claim to care so much about when things don't go their way, Let's pack the Supreme Court. Let's get rid of the Electoral College. Let's defund the police. They have no principles to protect. They're only looking to pursue power. And sure enough, here we have another example of that. Right. We can just look at the special prosecutor used against Donald Trump, the Mueller probe, the use of the impeachment process against Trump, which was absolutely absurd. And we all we've basically forgot it was so stupid and so reckless that we don't even really remember it. We're like, what? They impeached the president? They impeached the president? So it was uh, a circumstance that we all saw, but here we are. Here we are. Okay, now you have the Supreme Court saying that this prosecutor, so you got Cy Vance, Cy Vance, uh, who's a Democrat who hates Trump and who is watching the city that he's in charge of being the chief Uh, Manhattan D.A., at least the chief Manhattan D.A., Uh, he's in charge of making sure that things in this in this town don't fall apart. and They are falling apart. So he's doing a horrible job. But what could make him a hero forever? Take down. uh, Take down Trump. Right. That's the single most important thing that he could ever accomplish. So what is he doing? There are there are two different requests that have made their way through the courts up to the Supreme Court. At this point, you have the Cyrus Vance DA's office doing an investigation of, you guessed it, the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels 
and uh, Karen McDougal that went through Michael Cohen, one of the worst. I mean, it's a good thing that Avenatti exists because then at least Cohen doesn't seem like the worst and dumbest lawyer in America. That would be Avenatti. But Cohen was pretty bad. And this again, this goes to the president sometimes has very poor judgment about the people that he keeps close at hand. He just does. And he's now admitted that. So anyone who writes me, no, Buck, it's 8D chess. No, the president says he's I don't think he's about to say, yeah, Omarosa was a great choice to put in the White House. Right. Michael Cohen was a great choice to put in the White House. So there have been some real big misses on that. But here's where here's what happened. You you have the hush money payment. So they want to go after Trump's tax records. This is a state issue. Now, one of the reasons the Democrats love that so much is they they think of how you can't pardon people for state crimes. If you're the president, state crimes are outside the jurisdiction of the federal uh, of the federal pardon power. So they get very excited about that. No one's really figured out. And can the president pardon himself? I mean, we get into all these uh, very academic, although perhaps less so in the future, legal discussions. So it seems that now the Supreme Court has said, OK, the president's claim, this is what his legal team was claiming, that he can just reject subpoenas of records, that he cannot be brought into a, a proceeding, uh, a criminal proceeding. He can't be brought into a, a, a civil proceeding like this um, or a criminal proceeding is not valid. So the administration, or at least the people representing Trump in this instance, I think, well, they, they asserted a very broad and sweeping privilege, and it has been uh, denied by 7-2 by the Supreme Court. So that's one part of this. So it looks like now they're going to have to see if they can get access, or r- rather they're going to see what they do once they get access to Trump's records, uh, tax records to the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Remember, the federal government already has Trump's taxes. The IRS already has them. So I'm always fascinated by this theory that there's going to be some big page on Trump's taxes that's like Putin payments or something. It's just not going to happen. Nancy Pelosi went on television today and say that this was about Trump hiding the uh, hiding a, a secret relationship with Russia. Um so that's crazy. <laughs> but sure enough, the Democrat base gets fired up by it. They like this idea. And it doesn't matter that it's reckless. It doesn't matter that it's absurd. Nancy Pelosi is going to go for it. All right. So you have the Cy Vance thing. And then you have Congress, which, as we know, unfortunately, the House of Representatives is a Democrat majority. They have majorities to control the committees. And what have the committees decided that they are uh, going to try to get Trump's taxes as well. Trump's taxes has become this fixation of the of the left. Uh, And so the Supreme Court has sent that back down to lower courts. It does not seem that that necessarily is 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 a done deal yet either that that's not finished. So we shall see if because they have to prove that they really need uh, they really need access to it. Right. That's what they and, and the Democrats will say whatever they have to say. And all they need, unfortunately, is one judge who comes along and decides that that's what needs to happen. Um, so here, like the president's going to raise subpoena, uh, subpoena. This is from the decision. Subpoena uh, can raise subpoena specific con- constitutional challenges in either a state or a federal forum. 
He can challenge a subpoena as an attempt to influence the performance of his official duties in violation of the Supremacy Clause, and he can argue that compliance with a particular subpoena would impede his constitutional duties. So he's going to say, okay, well, now let's fight this out in in lower courts. So the, the blanket privilege does not apply, but now you still have to go issue by issue, and this probably will not be resolved before the election. So the, this is really just going to the Democrat obsession with seeing Trump's tax returns. And as I've told you, and I'm not just talking about the Rachel Maddow thing where she, you know, got everybody all excited. Oh, we're going to finally see Trump's tax. No, they're not. No, they're not. I'm not just talking about that situation. I remember she had a couple of pages of it and there was really nothing there. But she drove up huge ratings that night. It's amazing anyone still watches Maddow. The whole thing was about Russia collusion for years and there was no Russia collusion. But here's what this is really showing you. And I have to say, I have been telling you this was coming for a long time. And you know that I I don't think I even have to particularly prove this one to you. This is going to be everything, all of the above to destroy Trump, right? Everything that they can pull together. This is the kitchen sink. Stop Trump effort that we've all been expecting, which means you're going to see the resurrection of all the old anti-Trump narratives all at once. Remember, it was a very different 2016 election. They thought showing Trump was funny because he's so foolish and ridiculous. So they put him on TV and they figured, you know, Hillary's got this. And then they had that one big boom that they let go in October, right? The October surprise of the Billy Bush tapes that was going to finish him off. They had a plan and they executed on that specific plan and lost. Right. And that's why they had the, the shock was, oh, my gosh, wait a second. The lib media and the DNC, the Democrats, the left, they thought we, we ran. We, we managed to get Comey to save Hillary from criminal prosecution for the emails. Check. You know, we managed to unleash the Billy Bush tape with the complicity of ABC, you know, right, right when it was going to do maximum damage. Check. And we show what a buffoon Trump is on TV. Right. So shouldn't that have. Well, no, as we all saw, that was not a good strategy for defeating Trump. It did not, in fact, uh, did not, in fact, win. And so now we get to the next level, the next phase here which is they're completely psychologically uh, deranged with Trump hatred. And they've suffered through in their minds four years of, oh, he's a tyrant and all this. And they've tried so many ways to bring down this president. So many ways. The special counsel probe, that ridiculous impeachment, uh, you know, think of all the 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 emoluments clause lawsuit. The I I you can't even remember. Oh, the 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 uh, the, the decision that they were going to try to have the cabinet remove him from office. I mean, it is unbelievable when you think back. Uh, you know, they were going to use the twenty fifth amendment to get him to get him pulled out of office, right? When you think back to all these different schemes, none of which are democracy in action, none of which are in keeping with the will of the people through our duly uh, through through our election and the people that are supposed to protect that institution. 
No, they tried all these other things. So what we're really seeing today, because I don't think that you're going to have the Trump records released. Maybe somebody will leak them. Hey, if you're willing to leak a top secret, uh, top secret classified conversation between Trump and the Russian ambassador, which you should go to prison for for many years. And someone did that. Some Trump hater did. I'm sorry, between uh, General Flynn and the Russian ambassador. Um, if you're willing to do that, you're definitely willing to release Trump's tax returns, right? So I, I think that there's a pretty good chance someone's just going to try to get access to them and leak them if they feel like they can't get them through the legal process in time. And remember, if he wins re-election, then at least they'll continue. In their minds, they'll continue this thing. I'm not worried about this, meaning even if they did leak Trump's, which is illegal, but even if they did leak Trump's tax returns... You know, I, I think he probably doesn't make as much money as he likes to he likes people to think, but he's really rich. And who cares? The guy's a showman and he's a salesman and he's got a, got some bluster, a little bit of swagger, <laughs> a lot of swagger. OK, fine. But I, it's not going to show anything. Are you going to say, oh, wow, well, Trump overvalues his brand. You know, he thinks it's worth seven billion, but it's probably more, worth more like a billion. Oh, yeah. Let's vote for the uh, quasi-senile buffoon Joe Biden instead. Of course not. It doesn't matter. No one's going to say, oh, I can't vote for Trump anymore because of this. So I don't think the tax returns are going to have anything even really interesting in them. But they want to embarrass Trump. They want to embarrass Trump. Remember, they never released Obama's transcripts. Speaking about embarrassment avoiding. Isn't that interesting? Never saw Barack Obama's college transcripts. Why is that? It's not because I think that he was a he was a foreign. It's not the foreign student thing. I've always thought that it was because the president probably didn't get very good grades, which went contra the narrative that he was the most brilliant president. Obama was the most brilliant president in the history of the republic. And he was amazing academically. And he got the Harvard Law Review editor in chief position because he was such a good legal mind and all these things. We never saw his transcripts. I mean, it seems kind of weird, right? Who cares? We saw John Kerry's. We saw George W. Bush's. We see Al Gore's. We see can't see his transcripts. OK, so liberals are st and, and people I bring that up. They say, That's not true. Yeah, it is true. Never saw him. kept under lock and key. So what's really happening here with Trump? The resurrection of every anti-Trump narrative all together with the media. This is all hands on deck for them. Do everything they can. You're going to see Russia collusion stuff. You're going to see emoluments clause. You're going to see, uh, you know, pieces from the special counsel come back out. You know, things that were said in the, the 10 counts of possible obstruction. You're, uh, someone's going to say that, oh, the sexual assault charge against Trump that people didn't believe the first time. Now they're going to believe because... Think of all of the anti-Trump narratives of the past. They will all be uh, refurbished and presented once again as oh, this time he's gone too far. So just get ready for it. They're going to put everything they can into this to destroy Trump. They're not even really going to spend any time focusing on Biden, who's a joke. And it's ridiculous that this is what the Democrats have offered up. But they're just go it's going to be an all out destroy, which is the preference of the media anyway. They'd rather take down Trump than root for Biden. So be prepared for this. And every major media outlet that is not center right. So from center, well, the center is not really a lot of media, but, you know, every non-conservative media outlet in existence 
is going to be engaged in the the all of the above every way, every chance destroy Trump campaign. It's going to be impeachment 2.0. It's going to be I mean, meaning they're going to bring it up again. It's going to be, uh, you know, emoluments clause, the Stormy Daniels payoffs, which is what we're talking about today. It's going to be his tax returns. It's going to be. Think of all of the 25th Amendment. Oh, Trump's this, the, the quasi senile one. I mean, everything they will try. So we should know this right now because this is what we are up against if the president's going to win. This is what the president and his team are up against. I'm not sure they quite yet have fully heeded the wake-up call on that. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You know, back in the 30s, when we had the first breakthrough in terms of what and provo- uh, having the union movement be able to move. Yeah, you know, uh, back in the 30s, uh, you know, the unions and they're unified. And uh, yeah, that's right. That's Joe Biden for you, folks. Oh, yeah. He's going to get it done. Here, play, play clip three. All of a sudden, this place, this phrase, everybody's been woked. Well, guess what? The rest of the working class people in America have been awakened and realized, whoa. I mean, how many times? You know, Biden, look, the guy, he's been around a long time. He's had a good run in politics. It really is time for him to start, you know, painting fish ponds or something in the back. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, but. The Democrats want us to think that this is the guy who should be leading the country at this point in time. You know, I don't know what it is. Democrat boomers never, never want to like go on to a quieter, more contemplative point in their lives. In politics, Democrat boomers want to. And I mean, you know, some of the po- political boomers in general, they're just it's never, ne- never time to let let the, uh, you know, the, the, the young bloods come up. Nope. Never time. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. But all right, let's not just focus on Joe Biden saying, yeah, I'm a corn pop and my legs and the hair and the blonde sun from the legs and the blah, blah, blah. You know, let's let's just dig into something a little more substantive. Okay, we, we can do that. How about that instead? Since it's very clear that everybody who is in the legacy Democrat aligned media is just going to going to completely forego what is obviously the case, which is that they're going to forego talking about Joe Biden as an inept, too old for this, not ready for this, not where I should say not up for this. He's not ready now. I don't think he's ever going to be ready. Uh, They don't they don't care about any of that. So this is just going to be they're not going to speak about it. They're not going to talk about it. There'll be no honesty whatsoever. I mean, James Woods, the actor who is uh, very, very amusing on Twitter. Uh, but but he put out a clip of, of Biden and he's saying, at what point does his wife step in and just say, this is guys, this is like elder abuse. This is too much. This is just wrong. They don't they do not care. And, and I really mean this. If Joe Biden on stage debating Trump, if he ever actually debates him, which now you're already seeing, oh, maybe there shouldn't be debates because, you know, maybe if Joe Biden completely lost all sense of where he was, if he started mumbling. And, and I mean, in that way, when you're when you're worried about somebody, you know, I remember I, I, I had a really high fever once and I remember what it was like to 
be thinking things and have mumbles coming out of my mouth. Um, Joe Biden, if he did that on stage in front of the Democrats would say, yeah, he's just tired. No problem. They would not care. They simply would not care. They would say, no, you still have to vote for him. It doesn't matter. He's better than Trump. So, okay, fine. Let's then look at the policies that Joe Biden, since the man is just going to, they're not going to, they're not going to, we all know what the reality is and they're not going to admit it. That's where we are. But since the man is going to be something that we can't get, let's then debate them on the policy that Joe Biden, the man, is supposed to be supporting here. Um, Here you go. Here he is saying, well, here's where he stands on defunding police. Play clip seven. Uh, Surplus military equipment for law enforcement. They don't need that. The last thing you need is an up-armored Humvee coming into a neighborhood. It's like the military invading. They don't know anybody. They become the enemy. They're supposed to be protecting these people. So my generic point is that we agree that we can redirect some of the funding. Yes, absolutely. Redirect funding. Now, you can always redirect funding from any government institution and find some way to justify it. Right. So, yeah, there's there's no perfect amount of money that goes to any government entity. Of course, Democrats usually don't admit that, because if you ever try to cut the amount of money that is going to a government entity, they will scream about it. They'll say, how could you? This is reckless. You don't care about education because you're cutting this or you don't care about name their favorite, you know, this this welfare program because you're cutting that. Um, But here they're willing to start making cuts to cops. Why? Because of a political narrative rooted in the distortion that there are a lot of police officers who kill unarmed black men in America. That's that's why they're even talking about cutting the police budget. That's it. Let's let's not pretend there's there's no other there's no sudden revelation about how much money is being spent on police departments. And he is giving cover to the radical Marxist defund police movement out there by being one of these Democrats who's like, well, you know, defunding police in this way is a good idea. No, defunding police is a terrible idea in major cities that are having spikes in violent crime. Defunding police, when we have now been told, and we'll get into this in more detail, that we may be facing additional lockdowns as a country, state by state, but it might be nationwide because of COVID-19, people are really going to start to lose their minds. And you want there to be less police, less law and order in the streets? Absolutely reckless. And notice how he, he focuses in on, oh, well, You know, we don't need all this militarized stuff or whatever. Okay, so some police departments have a bear cat and they probably shouldn't. You know, some police departments have an armored personnel carrier and, you know, it it seems excessive or it is excessive or unnecessary. Um, That's not no one is getting shot by cops because that department has an armored personnel carrier. That's for military surplus. Okay, that's not what's happening. So they're not even addressing the problem that they pretend is the reason for this movement in the first place. It's just a distraction. It's just giving giving additional cover. Um, And then he says what we need to do is have greater transparency in police records. 
play uh, play eight. There's a need for fundamental change in us being able to have transparency, be able to have access to the records of police when they have misconduct charges against them, to be able to know where they are so they can't go from one police department to the next. That should be held in my administration. That information will have to be made available to the Justice Department and held in a file so you'll be able to track this. Uh, That's going to stop. However many people a year are being killed in these uh, situations, that's that's going to stop. No, of course not. But again, Biden has to not upset the lunatic left wing base of the Democrat Party. Right. Which is now, I think, a majority within the Democrat Party. I mean, I think that a majority of Democrats really do believe the crazy crap that is being espoused by the movements that are out there. Not just BLM, but the statue topplers and all the rest of it. I don't think that this is not a fringe belief inside the Democrat Party. There are a lot of people. Uh, I, I would argue a majority of Democrats are on board for this. You have to look issue by issue, see, I guess, what the polls say. But I also think polls don't really accurately measure sentiment on some of these very sensitive issues. So Joe Biden does what we knew he would do here. Joe Biden is a political coward, always has been. This guy's never taken a stand that was politically unpopular for his own purposes once in his life. Never. Find me one example. Whatever was going to be the most likely thing to help Joe Biden raise money and help Joe Biden stay in the Senate, that is what he did at every single turn. He wasn't a leader on an issue that then became very... uh, popular for his own side, but was a leader before that happened? No, he is the quintessential machine politician for the Democrat Party. That's what we're actually looking at. That's what we're dealing with. And so now what are we supposed to say about this guy? He's not going to stop the statue toppling Democrat mob. No, he's going to give justification for their actions by pretending that this is really a serious conversation about police reform when this is just the Marxist rage of the left in the era of Trump unleashed on the American people. And using this one, the, the, the anti-cop stuff, I told you, back in the Occupy Wall Street days in 2011, there was always an anti-cop movement within that. This is just one of their tactics. This is one of, and it was about, it was about police killing black men. That was, they didn't have the Black Lives Matter uh, name yet. But they would hold up all these photos of police uh, that have killed black men, you know, of the black men killed by police. That was I saw it. I was there. I covered it. I remember. And it wasn't saying just police brutality is bad. It was cops are racist murderers. And this gets people really fired up and they say, yeah, we have to stop all of this. And that now has become because of the emotions and the ability to exploit those psychological that that psychological pain and divisiveness among people of different races that now has become the primary in Marxist terms. You often hear me say the vanguard. Well, this is Lenin. Actually, it's not really. Well, it's Marx through Lenin, but Leninist vanguard uh, or Leninist terminology often referred to the vanguard of the Communist Party. And that's what now. BLM has become for the radical left in this country. They are the vanguard. They're the ones that are in the fore, in the forefront, pushing the agenda ahead of all others. 
So Biden, as the figurehead of all of this, as the puppet of the left, gets to be the guy that they say, no, he's not. Look, it's Biden. How scary can he be? He's been in politics for 40 years. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be normal. We'll go back to normal if you give us Biden. Trump is the one that has made things all so unsettled and abnormal. Biden's not going to be that radical. Look at him. How could he be? He's a puppet. He'll do what they tell him to do. The legislation that appears before, especially the Democrats have both both uh, houses of Congress. Uh, The legislation will come from left wing activist groups and Biden will sign anything put in front of him. You know that he's not going to veto anything that the left wants. So guess what? And he'll do executive orders. They tell him to do. He'll, He'll do whatever they tell him to do. Because he, he doesn't have any principles. He doesn't have the intellectual firepower to push back. Or There's no Biden movement. He's just a part of the machine. A part of the machine that's going to be told to do what he's told. That's it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I'm not sure I can take a bow on this issue or even pat myself on the back, but... I have told you before that Don Lemon is not the dumbest anchor at CNN. And and I I stand behind that. He may be the most shameless in some ways, but he is he's not the dumbest. There are there are dumber anchors over there. And uh, he actually can be quite, quite uh, cunning uh, in his own way. And I had been saying that to you, and I think people are come on, really? No, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. He's, he's not the, I mean, the, the, the dumbest is probably Wolf Blitzer, if you really want to know. Who's not a, he's not a mean guy, but I mean, he may be the dumbest. Uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot of, of dummies over there. Uh, but anyway, the Don Lemon clip that Tucker Carlson put out on his show last night. I remember seeing this. I remember seeing this and thinking years and years ago when he first did it and thinking, wow. Look at what Don Lemon is saying. African, African-American uh, news anchor, uh, LGBTQ. Uh, you know, he's he's a, a, a openly gay. And, and here's what he is saying about the black community back in. What was it? Twenty fifteen. Now, I, I did see this the first time. The Hat Tip Tucker show or oh, twenty thirteen. Here's what Don Lemon had to say about what the real this is what he was saying the real problem that should be focused on by the media play clip 10 more than 72 percent of children in the african-american community are born out of wedlock that means absent fathers and the studies show that lack of a male role model is an express train right to prison and the cycle continues so please black folks as i said if this doesn't apply to you i'm not talking to you pay attention to and think about what has been presented in recent history as acceptable behavior. Pay close attention to the hip-hop and rap culture that many of you embrace, a culture that glorifies everything I just mentioned, thug and reprehensible behavior, a culture that is making a lot of people rich, just not you, and it's not going to. I mean, you know, wow, right? That's Don Lemon. I told you, he's he he just does what he's got to do. You know, he's probably making three, four million dollars a year over at CNN. I mean, I have a pretty good sense of what people at the different stations make. Um, usually I pretty much know almost exactly what they do. 
Uh, so, you know, he's making great money over there. And all he has to do is do exactly what Jeff Zucker, head of CNN, wants him to do. And he's going to keep making that fantastic money. But he does know some stuff, right? He, he does have some, some insights to share, as we just heard. But have you, have you heard a single, a single member of the media who is African-American or, or just anyone in the media on the, Demo- on the Democrat side who's willing to even broach the, the just catastrophic breakdown of the family in this country, particularly in uh, predominantly black neighborhoods. Has anyone even, have you heard anyone talk about this really on the left? Democrats. I know some conservatives will talk about it, but even they have to be, oh, be very careful. What, he, what Don Lemon said there about the social science on the breakdown of families is absolutely true. It is uncontrovertible or uncon. It is, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Uncontroversial. Well, no, it is controversial. It is true. <laughs> I'll just stay with that. It is true. There are no studies that are, are saying that it is not, it does not that, that are taken seriously by anybody. I mean, the breakdown of the family, the absence of fathers. And this is true whether you're growing up as a, as a white kid in you know, rural West Virginia or growing up as a young black or Latino kid in you know, a tough neighborhood of Chicago or New York or wherever, right? This, this is just no, it is known, the absence of a father. It does not mean anything about an individual, right? Because someone doesn't have a dad doesn't mean that person is anything. It just means statistically there is a greater, much greater likelihood that they will run into enormous life problems and challenges. And this is not having to do with the criminal justice system, for example, 20 times more likely to go to prison. Marcellus Wiley, he's a sports announcer. So I don't think I don't know if we, I don't know if he's a Democrat or not. I have no idea. So but I, I'm answering my own question. I suppose Marcellus Wiley, I do remember seeing him in the last uh, week or so, also recite these statistics. And Marcellus Wiley says that his mission in life is to be a great dad and to be a great husband. And all of the social science that we know of that is worth a darn suggests that that mission for people across the country of all colors, backgrounds, you know, racial, uh, uh, racial, uh, racial background, religious creed, you name it, everything. For everyone in the country, that is a good. Um, oh, he's an yeah, Marcellus Wiley's an ex NFL player. I knew that. But that is a mission that we should all share. Our streets would be safer overall. Our children would grow up happier and healthier overall if everybody everywhere across America was devoted to having stable, secure families as the mission. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team, I, I want to talk about this big push underway to send places across the country back into phase one of the lockdown, effectively full on lockdown. I, I want to talk about this in depth because uh, this this is completely ludicrous. 
Uh, I don't I don't care what they're I don't care what the public health experts are saying about. Okay, let me but hold hold off on that for a second. I I get a little bit I get a little bit fired up about this. Okay. First, though, as if it was not a dumb enough situation we're dealing with that Democrats are pushing for defunding of police. And it's more than the defunding. It's just also the lack of support for police at a time of particular uh, need for law enforcement resources and action from our cops to prevent people from dying, including, you know, toddlers and little boys and girls in places like Chicago. We're getting shot through all this gang violence and, and just all these things that are going on right now. And at that point in time to say that cops shouldn't be supported even more is reckless is reckless. And yet the Democrats and the media, and it's amazing as you see this happening, the Democrats and the media are are going around acting like they can't understand what's happening in the country. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. Here's from the Associated Press, still reeling from the coronavirus pandemic and protests over the George Floyd killing. Cities around the nation are facing another challenge, a surge in shootings that have left dozens dead. Experts say the spike in violence defies easy explanation. This is from the Associated Press. Defies easy explanation, huh? That's weird because some of us have been saying, as soon as these protests against cops started, if you defund cops, if you undermine police, more people, particularly more minorities, will die. People will be shot in cities. There'll be more loss of life. We've been saying this would happen. Now it's happening. And the libs are going, oh, I'm not really sure. Like, uh, not really sure what's going on here. But, uh, you know, some bad stuff, man. No one really gets it. I don't know where this comes. We all know where it, come, where it comes from. You abject morons. But you just want to believe things that no serious, sane person could think are, are, uh, is true. Like, we don't need cops. Democrat activists walk around. Imagine a society without cops. Wouldn't that be great? It's like saying, imagine a society without human beings. Because as long as there are human beings, there will need to be those who enforce order and rules. Some people break rules and need to be punished. Some people are just bad. And have to be stopped. You know, there are rapists and serial killers and, you know, there, there's bad stuff out there in the world. And that's not going away ever. But yes, that's right. Experts say the spike in violence defies easy explanation. Or maybe, maybe they could ask um, our old friend Better. That's right, Better O'Rourke, who's like, remember when he was just going to play his guitar and he was going to like, be president because he was born to be president. Remember all that? Yeah. Turns out that's not going to happen. But here's what uh, here's what Beto thinks is the real reason for the spike in murders in major cities across America. Uh, play clip 14. In some way, we have tacitly accepted this historic, tragic level of gun violence in America that continues to rise. And we saw that just over the weekend in many American cities. 
It's that same kind of death cult mentality that asks us to accept one quarter, 25% of the world's COVID cases, one quarter, 25% of the world's COVID deaths, though we represent only 4% of the globe's population. We're talking about people being shot in cities and Beto is like, yeah, it's like that death cult mentality of the COVID as nothing. I mean, this is just blather. Beto's just not very smart. He married a rich lady and now he's a congressman. He's just not very smart. Can we just say this the guy's not impressive. He kind of reminds me a little bit of the dumb first son from the show Succession. For those of you who watched it, who, who lives out in like New Mexico or something. Uh, I think he lives out there on the show and he's in a ranch. and He's like, yeah, I just like want to I just want to like be president. But also, I think that like we should all be ready to freeze ourselves because cryogenesis is going to make us live forever. It's a little bit uh, Beto and that guy. If you haven't seen Succession, I, I highly recommend it. He does, he does remind me of that guy. But that's right. They're asking us to think that there is no correlation or, or we should not take a, a direct line between actually telling them. I mean, openly claiming that this will lead to bad things. This will lead to bad things. And they do those. They do the thing. And then the bad results happen, meaning more people are getting shot in New York and Chicago. People are getting killed. And sure enough, oh, Atlanta has to call in a thousand members of the National Guard because of all the violence. And they're like, we don't understand where this came from. That's why you can never expect Democrats. You can never expect Democrats to change their ways because of the results or because of reality. They'll just deny reality. It doesn't matter. Democrats have been in charge of cities that have been plagued by violent crime for decades, and they still think they should always be in charge. They still think that their approach is always the best approach. You know, they've got a fever, and the only prescription is more elected Democrats. That's the way they do things. Oh, I, I meant to get to this on the on my uh, analysis that Biden, I don't think this is particularly unique. I think most people can see this. But on my analysis that Biden is just going to be a puppet of the Democrat Party, in case you were wondering, well, what, what would that really mean? What does that really look like? Um, Bernie Sanders is out there like, I get an idea. We're going to have Biden take my policy proposals and act like I'm the president because he'll do what I want him to do. Play clip 13. I was glad to work with the vice president uh, in forming six separate task forces, which had some of the most knowledgeable people in the country coming together to deal with education and climate change and health care and the economy and criminal justice and immigration reform. And these folks, needless to say, people who represented the progressive movement had a different perspective on things ended Biden's people. But there was serious discussion and I think a real honest in effort to come up with a compromise. And I think the compromise that uh, they came up with, if implemented, will make Biden the most progressive president uh, since FDR. So that's what they're going to tell the base. They're going to burn out that talented people. He's going to be the most progressive president since FDR. That's what he's going to be telling the base. 
But trust me, ABC News, CNN, New York Times, you know, all these big flagship Democrat liberal media institutions will be saying Biden's going to be a moderate. Biden will govern as a moderate. He'll unify the country and be a moderate. And you and I will know that that's crap. But they're not talking to you and me. They think that they'll be talking to swing voters across the country in places like Ohio who will say, you know, Trump, it's been a little 2020 has been a bad 2020 has been a bad year for America. Bad year. No question. Okay, it's a bad year. We had three great years with Trump. And I did tell you they were great when they were happening. So I hope you listened and, you know, popped open a few beers and celebrated the greatness of this country. But people that just want to return to normalcy will be tempted because of what they're being told by the media to believe that Biden is a moderate narrative. And that's where we're going to have problems. That's where we're going to have problems. So on the one hand, they'll be like, Biden's going to be the most progressive president ever. And on the other hand, they're going to be saying, oh, yeah, no, he's going to be really moderate. And the point is, they don't view that as incongruent. They don't view this as they'll they'll lie. (laughs) That's really straightforward. They'll just say what they have to say to get people to vote for them. Classic politics, but Democrats are particularly shameless about it. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. As long as our economy and political systems prioritize profit without considering who is profiting, who is being shut out, we will perpetuate this inequality. So we cannot stop at criminal justice system. We must begin the work of dismantling the whole system of oppression wherever we find it. Dismantle the whole system of oppression wherever we find it. Ilhan Omar, member of Congress from Minnesota, her district got really hammered by the riots after the George Floyd killing, and now she wants, you know, she wants to tear down the whole system. I got to tell you, I do not think that that is uh, <laughs> that is encouraging to anybody who thinks that Democrats are going to govern responsibly. Uh, I've got news for you. The radicals are running the show over there. At least Ilhan Omar will say out loud what many of the Democrats only say behind closed doors. Tear down the system. Tear down the system. Remake the system. Well, we're not arguing about uh, we're, you know, we're not arguing about making some changes here and there to have the system function a little better. They want to scrap it and redo it. How? Oh, who knows? This is a bit like when they want to tear down all the statues and we say, what statues should they be replaced with? Should there just be no statues? And oh, you know, then they get all they get all huffy about that. They get all uh, the statue topplers. They don't have an answer. Same thing with Democrats with destroy the system and redo it. What should we read? How should we redo the system? Oh, they don't really know. They're not really they're not really sure. Um, I just think we should. When you got Bernie Sanders saying Biden's going to be the most progressive president since FDR and you got Ilhan Omar walking around saying, let's tear down the system of oppression wherever we find it. Where is the oppression? How is the system oppressive? I I never really get any. They they talk about some statistics and then they won't want to talk about other statistics that will that will undermine their argument about the statistics that they're using. Where where exactly is the oppression? I, I I don't know. I don't know. This is where they say, but there's racism. And I say, yeah, of course there's racism. There's also corruption. There's cruelty. There's a lot of bad things in this society and every society. But just complaining about something that exists that's bad doesn't 
mean that you should be empowered to then do whatever you want in politics. I, I know that's a shock to the libs and the left, but that's where we are. So just remember, that's what Ilhan Omar goes around saying. I, I also uh, I, I wanted to switch just now to uh, some talk about what's going on with the shutdown talk. Um, New York is going to be open a few days a week in the fall. Uh, this is, you know, we, we won't stop. We won't stop, it seems, uh, destroying our own way of life and economy, at least until the uh, November election happens, and then maybe there'll be a change. I saw Governor Abbott in Texas. Texas! we got to have a talk. What's going on, Texas? You know, when things were terrible in New York and we were on this awful lockdown, we looked at you and we said, oh, gosh, Texas is the promised land. You know, I, I'm going to sit here talking to Mark about, do we need to move the Freedom Hut to Austin? Not feeling so free over there right now. Governor Abbott's locking everything down. Locking everything down again. Or not even again. I think this is probably the worst lockdown they've had. We'll get to the lockdowns. Schools, though. This is turning into an obvious political fight. Here is Governor Cuomo saying the president doesn't have the authority. Play clip one. I heard the president speak... Uh, yesterday and uh, what he was tweeting about today on schools. And look, uh, this is getting a little old as far as I'm concerned. And I heard what the president said on schools, but uh, this has been there, done that, right? Uh, School reopenings are a state decision, period. Uh, That is the law and uh, that is uh, the, the way we're going to proceed. Uh, It's not up to the President of the United States. There is something called the Constitution that guides government power. uh, And then there are a series of laws that are based on that Constitution. And the President does not have the authority to open schools. The President does have the authority to direct the Department of Education to withhold federal education funds from schools that refuse to open. Where's the DOJ? Where is is the power of the executive branch in all these fights? I worry, I worry that there's still a belief in the White House that the, the, the initial shutdown was the right thing. The, I mean, the national everybody has to shut down was the right thing to do. I worry that that's still where they are. I really do. We'll get more into that. I, I also just have to say, though, <laughs> I saw I saw a, a video as we're talking about reopening schools, a video of a couple of teachers. <laughs> This is from Campus Reform. And everyone was saying, maybe we should keep the schools closed when they saw these two teachers. Uh, remember, teachers just want to teach the head of the American Teachers Federation or whatever. American Federation of Teachers. They just want to teach. Our teachers are, you know, they're all doing God's work. Some of them are. Some of them are wonderful. I love some teachers. Plenty of friends who are teachers. But some of them are pretty, pretty bad at their jobs. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. Here are two teachers that spoke to campus reform and uh, made sure that we all know what kind of stuff they know. Play clip five. So I was a seventh grade civics uh, teacher, government teacher, and she is an elementary school teacher. What year did we get our independence? (laughs) 17 something. We're teachers. I actually don't teach what's in our curriculum. I'm teaching children social studies that's not in our curriculum, teaching them things about how to be an anti-racist. I taught them about protesting. I taught them about Black Lives Matter. That's right. 
anti-racist training for your kids from social studies teachers who don't know what year the country was founded. I, if you told me that I had to, I had to find someone who fit that, uh, fit that description, right? A social studies teacher who didn't know what year the country was founded. I, I actually would have thought that that would be pretty tough. Apparently, campus reform is able to find them right away, no problem. I find this, um, I find this frustrating, um, but it's also illuminating. It tells us that kids really are not getting, uh, how do I put this? The department of education is not sending us their best. Okay. Or the local teachers association, whatever it may be, it's doing the hiring in your area. They're not sending us their best. Uh, this was, this was a real moment. This was a real moment. Um, yeah, I guess we should, uh, yeah, we got to open the schools anyway, obviously, but this was pretty funny whenever we were sharing this around saying, oh, okay, well, here's some teachers that, remember, this is, they're they're training the future generations of people that are going to be screaming in cops' faces on the streets, you know, spittle coming out of their mouths, uh, about how cops are racist and, but they're the, they're the good people for telling the cops who are doing a necessary and important job in society how awful they are. They are being taught this in school with your tax dollars. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our very clear recommendations that when you have a county with these types of cases, we are recommending everyone using a face covering. And I think the studies now that have been done showing that cotton face coverings um, work, that does open up the ability for us all to have individualized face coverings that express our personality. But in addition, I think the work that these governors have done to um, and ask the American people to stop going to bars, to close the bars, to move to outdoor dining, to decrease indoor, any kind of indoor gatherings, again, to all of the Americans out there that are in these four states and the states that have, in the report, we're in the red zone because there's a series of other states that we have in that zone, is really asking the American people in those counties and in those states, in those states to not only use the face coverings, not going to bars, not going to indoor dining, but really not gathering in homes either and decreasing those gatherings back down to our phase one recommendation, which was 10 or less. Back to phase one, lockdown 2.0, folks. I told you they would do it. And here we are. Remember, 15 days, 15 days to stop the spread. That's what we were told. Oh, no. Now we're at 115 days close to that to stop the spread again. Again, we keep going through this. They will not stop. Also, she says, I, I want to see where this is, that the cot- cotton face coverings uh, are, are, have been proven effective. The studies, where are these studies that say that the cotton face coverings are proven effective? Uh, aerosolized virus is, is stopped by something that you breathe through. And w- one problem with the actual face coverings, just so you is that as you breathe through it, there's condensation, and then some of the airflow will actually get forced up and below the mask itself, and that airflow is just open to what is around you. Because the mask is... We're not talking about N95s. We're not talking about you know respirators. We're just talking about um, uh, 
the standard piece of it's not even standard. People are making their own. They're making, you know, it's like DIY making their own face coverings. Uh, now, this is where we're, we're being told by Dr. Burks that this is look, they're never going to say that it, that it doesn't work. They're always going to claim, well, it's better than nothing. It's better than nothing. And as I've told you, you could also tell people, hold your breath and close your nose every time you're around people for, you know, a minute. It's better than nothing. Is it annoying? Is it cumbersome? Yeah, but it's better than nothing. <sighs> Here we are being told being told to lock down again. I'm uh, I'm wondering when the American spirit of don't tread on me and go blank yourself is going to come back a little bit more. We know what the issue is when it comes to mortality and when it comes to who is at risk for this disease. If you are in a high risk age category, there should be precautions taken because, yes, it is dangerous. It is lethal for people under 60. We have to live our lives. OK, this shouldn't be that. Com- but no, Dr. Burks over in Dr. Fauci. Where's he? Where do we have any Fauci today? Oh, I'll be Fauci. Everyone just go home. Lock yourself at home. Middle of summer. Be home a few more weeks. No problem. No, it is a problem. They're going to do this again and again and again. Now we are at a point where I don't see how we don't have lockdown demands during flu season. Oh, the flu spiked in this area. We're going to have to be in a lockdown. You might say, Buck, but there's these metrics they have in place. Oh, I'm sorry. We don't care about the thousands of people who die every month from the flu. We could stop it with our cotton masks, right? Let's just all wear masks, all stay inside, all not do our all not live our lives anymore. Let's be prisoners again. That's what they're telling us. If you're in Texas, you're in Arizona, you're in Florida, you're in Georgia, be a prisoner again. Sorry. Use the force of law on you, too. I'll fine you. I'm sure it'll start locking people up, too. How's that, how's that trace program going, experts? You know, we, hear, we heard about that all the time in uh, May and June. You need to have that trace program up and running. How's that tracing going? Yeah, you tracing down all these cases? Sure. How did I know that that wasn't going to work? Oh, I don't know, because I thought about it for about two seconds. Well, more than that, but in two seconds, you come to the right answer. Uh, But no, they're just going to tell us that uh, this is what has to happen once again. Another series of lockdowns. I don't know what it's going to take to get enough people to finally understand that this is insane. But we're we're clearly not there yet. We're clearly not at a a phase in this where everyone's just going to say no. Everyone's going to say we're unwilling to do this to ourselves Again, but, you know, I sit here and I hear the stuff about schools. Europe has opened its schools and it's fine. They're fine. No huge, no super spreader school issues. Everything's been fine. The American Association, American Academy of Pediatrics has said open schools this fall. In almost none of the major news stories I've read, does that data point appear? In fact, they're claiming instead, they're claiming that Trump is going against the science. Trump is going against the science. Oh, and, and the the, uh, the idiot brigade over at CNN likes to mock their opponent, like likes to mock their political opponents here and say that they, they don't believe in the science either. Uh, play clip 12. What are these people? I mean, come on. Really? 
Thank God he's Irish. Nino Vital. I'm not saying. Couldn't be more Italian than that name. I'm not getting in on that thing. But, I mean, how – I wonder if these people work for the pretzel companies. Like, they should open, like, start a pretzel business. Because they they, got it twisted. They got it twisted and (laughs) – Well, it's religion. It's, you know, uh, you can't. Can't wear a mask. You don't see one on Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) It's. That should be his holy name. Chris, what is happening? What are we living? Have you seen the videos of these people in the stores who are like, you're what? Get away from me. You're threatening me. I don't have to wear a mask. It's like, what's wrong? I just I want to play all of them, not even say anything and just let people see themselves. Just, just wear a mask. You got to wear a shirt. You got to wear shoes. You, you get, you can't go without pants. Or, I mean, come on. What, what's, what's wrong with people? We have met the ultimate enemy, yeah. Don Lemon, and it is us. Yes. They're the enemy, all right. CNN. Yeah, that's right. It's similar. Wearing, wearing shoes and a shirt, uh, which is also this is what private businesses say if you want service you know no shirt uh, no shirt no shoes no service um the government mandating mask wearing outdoors is moronic there's there's nothing to support this they're doing it in new jersey now they're calling for it at the national level we're going to be wearing masks for years this is this is now becoming a symbol of do as you're told peasant it doesn't make any if it was so obvious Do not let them get away from this. If the science was so clear and it was so obvious, why were they telling us, including Fauci himself, do not, do not wear a mask unless you are sick or a healthcare worker five months ago? What have we learned that has changed it from, yeah, don't do that, official guidance from the government experts, don't wear a mask, to... If you don't wear a mask, you're a bad person. How else are we supposed to view this other than what a pile of crap? Oh, no, this, it's, all, it's so clear. The science is so settled. Wear a mask. Really? It wasn't settled then. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, Jordan Schachtel, who we've had on the show before, had a pretty good thread on this. He said the four most, a uh, pretty good tweet on it, the four most prevalent arguments from the lockdown crowd these days. Number one. Sure, there's no evidence that masks work, but wear them anyway. Number two, herd immunity bad. Flatten the curve was so last week. Please shut down USA again and close schools. Number three, people are sick. Shut it down. Number four, science. Yep. Yep. So there we go. Now we're back to this. Now we're back to I told you this would happen. It was obvious. And the politics at work here, I think, are quite obvious as well. They're just telling us all that this is what we have to do just in time for the economy to be. It's going to be impossible for it to. And when I say recover for the recovery trend to be clear enough that Trump can make the uh, make the case for himself that if you keep me in charge, we will be a in a better position. Look, this is why you've got the Reuters piece today. Job losses as U.S. hits 
Grim job losses as U.S. hits record high on new COVID cases. This is from Reuters. As the number of new COVID cases in the U.S. rose to a single day record, fresh government data on Thursday showed another 1.3 million Americans filed for jobless benefits, highlighting the pandemic's devastating impact on the economy. More than 60,000 new COVID-19 infections were reported on Wednesday and U.S. deaths rose by more than 900 for the second straight day, the highest since early June. Florida on Thursday announced nearly 9,000 new cases and 120 new coronavirus deaths. Positive test rates uh, reached a new daily high of 18%. Uh, Florida didn't lock down and was doing well. You remember this. And now we're told that the reason that people are, uh, that these these, uh, states are having more cases is that they reopened. But... Why does that doesn't account for the places that locked down the places that uh, that did not doesn't account for it. So I I just find it, um, my friends, I just find it reckless beyond words that we have a media that doesn't ask any real questions. They're all they're all invested in this. They want to shut things down again. So they're going to shut things down again. That's what's going to end up happening. You're going to have states that are back into phase one. You're going to have states where you're being told wear a mask. You have all these people going around. Remember, they're freaking out at you for not wearing a mask when 99.99999% of you listening to this aren't sick. So you're being told to wear a mask just in case you're secretly sick. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. They're wearing us all down, aren't they? They're wearing us all down. Now, now, and what we were told last week, what we were told last month, none of it matters. You know, what's fascinating. No stories really about the protests and all the activity around the protests and any spread of these cases. Hmm. Interesting. Because we're supposed to believe that everyone jammed together, breathing on each other, screaming uh, that that is. Look, I wouldn't go to one of those protests just for disease concern. Never mind the stupidity of the actual messages that they're all shouting. Um, but I wouldn't have gone just because I wouldn't want to be around that many people that, you know, I, I mean, I, I, no one should be. Look, COVID is something you don't want to get. We all understand that. Uh, but to shut down the country again, I'm I'm wondering what it's going to take. I'm wondering what we have to find out what has to happen for people to understand that we cannot stop this. It's going to keep happening and all we do by shutting down is doing a lot of other damage to ourselves as this pandemic uh, you know goes across the country and continues to obviously ruin the year for people um i see here that 86,000 students in nashville which has a predominantly uh poor which is probably a poor urban school district, according to our friend Alex Berenson here, will be denied even the chance at in-person school in August, online only. That's going to be tough for the 31% of students who don't have a computer at home. This online learning stuff, you see the people that are in charge of all this, they, they just don't care. They just don't care. Doesn't matter who suffers, doesn't matter what goes on. Their most important mission is to pretend they care about saving lives when they really care about defeating Donald Trump. That is what the crazy libs are doing. And I, I'm sorry. Today, I'm, I'm just, oh, my frustration is finally setting in on this. My frustration is, uh, is growing. 
You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I have been telling you, team, I've, I've been warning anybody who will listen, don't expect the Durham probe, you know, don't expect that to save the republic by exposing the deep state in time for the election. Story today on Fox News from Brooke Singman. Durham is under pressure to wrap up investigation, but sources say he could punt until after Election Day. Yep. I've been I've been thinking this is going to happen. First of all, two things. Even if it gets done before the election, I don't think it's going to affect the election all that much. It doesn't matter what they find. We already know that this was a scam against we, we know enough to know the deep state tried to kick Trump out of office with lies and cheating and underhanded stuff. Um, I don't know. I just sorry. That was like uh, that was me. My phone just went off. It, it'll happen. So anyway, um, the Durham probe is not going to be in a position to change the election no matter what. And if you're thinking that there's going to be real justice, I'm here to tell you right now, it's it's probably going to be very disappointing. Here's what we will find out, in my estimation, when this thing comes out, which is probably going to be after the election. That's just that's my guess, but it's probably going to be after the election. And what we're going to find out is that the uh, that there were people who are clearly politically motivated, including likely the CIA director. This is my guess. The CIA director, John Brennan, uh, director James Comey, who saw and heard about these rumors of Russia Trump stuff from other people inside the intelligence community. Because, yeah, Trump is there's been some connection to people who are Russian or something in the past. Right. They'll find something very minimal. And then they were willing, meaning the people involved from the deep state side were willing to pretend like they had no ability to really vet anything and use the flimsiest pretext and information possible to get the investigation going of Carter Page, of Papadopoulos, uh, and that there were things happening on the intel collection side even before the FBI came out with the stuff that uh, we all know about now, right? Crossfire, hurricane, and all of that. So that's what we're going to find out. Is is anybody who is going to vote for Trump or vote for Biden going to change their mind? But no, no, I really, I really don't think so. I really don't think that's going to change anybody's mind. So don't expect the Durham probe to be a, a Hail Mary. Just saying, I, I come here, I speak the truth. My buddy Rob Smith's going to join us here in a minute to talk about uh, a lot of things, including Kanye for president. Stay with me. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Smith is in the house now. He is a veteran, author of Always a Soldier, Service Sacrifice, and Coming Out as America's Favorite Black Gay Republican. And he's a commentator, of course, and contributor to the first. Rob, great to have you all, man. What's going on, Buck? How you doing? So do you see the Don Lemon stuff? Because I got to say that Don Lemon sounds like an interesting guy to have a conversation with about maybe what's going on in the country and how we could try to make things actually better for for all people in America. What do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. I followed Don Lemon for a long time. And when that Don Lemon was on CNN and that Don Lemon was saying things that were very much common sense based, 
he was attacked by the left at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, a, a lot of black Twitter called him the same things that they call black conservatives today. They called him Uncle Tom. They called him Coon. They called him sellout. They called him all of that stuff uh, because back in 2013, he was saying that black people are in control of our own destinies and that there are things that we can do to ensure that we have better lives for ourselves. Now, seven years later, he's on the woke train. Woke Twitter loves him because racism is always the problem um, in, in his mind when it comes to, to African-Americans. And it's really quite, quite sad how far he's kind of fallen since then. But the question to me is, which one is the real Don Lemon? Was the Don Lemon that we saw in 2013 that seemed pretty reasonable, that had some fairly conservative-leaning values, was that the real one? Or is this sort of like anti-Trump resistance woke warrior, the, re the real Don? I actually think that that Don Lemon in 2013, that was the real Don Lemon. Do you do you come across, I mean, Rob, I know you're outspoken on this and you're, you're tweeting about it and sharing your yeah. thoughts. Do you come across white liberals who try to tell you that because of your views on this, you're not allowed to actually have those views? Do you know what I mean? Is it, does, does that happen? Oh, no, it's a thing. It happens all the time. The The thing about white liberals, uh, white liberals feel like they own and control black voices. Uh, and they also get a sense of paternalism in this idea that black people go about life being so, so heavily oppressed. And generally, when they come across a black person that doesn't really have that mentality, I'm, I'm not an oppressed person. America is a great country. I could not be as, as successful as I am in America anywhere else in the world. And they don't quite know what to do with that. Um, so, so that's an issue. And you'll really see um, on the on the internet, uh, Nina Turner, who was a, a very outspoken black female Bernie Sanders surrogate, she got into a Twitter beef with Deborah Messing from Will and Grace, a white liberal Hollywood actress, about Kanye running for president. And and Deborah Messing was kind of explaining to her how, well, Kanye West running for president, that's going to take black votes away from Biden, and he's doing this to help Trump and all that stuff. And Nina Turner had to say, well, hold on, time out. You know, we're, we're both on the left or whatever, but you don't own black votes. Um, black votes have to be earned. And there's this idea among white liberals that they own black voices, that they own black votes, that they own black perspectives. And that has to get checked um, very, very often. There have been some uh, some efforts to get more uh, black support in terms of votes for President Trump. Uh, there are some organizations, uh, right, uh, Blexit, and then, uh, which is a, a movement, right? And then there's been the collaboration, even with some, some Democrats and some prominent voices uh, from the celebrity community uh, with the Trump administration on the First Step Act. R Rob, it feels like Republicans go through this, but there's usually not a whole lot of, of change when the actual votes are cast as to where the black community uh, puts its support. Now, I don't think anyone's expecting there to be a lot of change. Uh, but do you think that there have that the Trump administration has made uh, some inroads? Because if, if the Trump administration was even able to get, I think, what was maybe eight percent of the black vote in the last election and were able to double that, let's say uh, that would be catastrophic yeah. for the Democrats chances. Uh, that would be obviously also an amazing feat for Trump to pull off. Do you, are you, do you yeah. think there's any momentum with this? Well, I, I do think that there is, and, and I'll tell you, um, 
I see a very concentrated effort to go after the black vote from the Trump administration. And it's not so much, trust us, we're going to do this. They're, they're not talking about what they are going to do. Um, they are talking about what they have done. They're talking about the First Step Act. They're talking about permanently funding HBCUs. They're talking about, like, at, at one point, we had had the lowest ever black unemployment in history. Trump is talking a lot about school choice. So I think that when you focus on actual tangibles and actual results, you do make inroads in the community. Now, I don't really know how much coronavirus and, and the, the corresponding tank of the economy has affected some of that messaging. But I will tell you from, from what I'm seeing, and I, I really do feel like there is a way that they can make inroads in November. And you also have to look at what the left is doing right now. Look at um, black entertainers, like even Diddy goes out and he tweeted the black vote is up for grabs. He said the black vote is not owned by the left. So basically you have a lot of African-Americans even on the left who are becoming frustrated with seeing the, the, the same sort of okie doke from Democrats every election season. It's we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. And they never do it. And the difference with this administration right now is Trump is saying, look at these things that I have done and we can do more. I think that that's a very powerful message. I think that that's a message that hasn't come from another Republican administration, at least not in my lifetime. And I think it's something that's going to be very tangible um, for the vote in, in November. Speaking of Rob Smith, author uh, of Always a Soldier, Service, Sacrifice, and Coming Out as America's Favorite Black Gay Republican. Rob's a contributor to The First, where he is my colleague. Uh, Rob Kanye. What's going on here? People, <laughs> just, just The question could just be <laughs> Kanye. Um, but, you know, in this era, I mean, Donald Trump is president. So when people say to me, yes. Kanye West says he's going to run for president, I would normally say, yeah, right, whatever. Uh, I don't know if one can do that. You know, Jesse Ventura was governor of Minnesota. Al Franken's a senator from Minnesota. Donald Trump is president. Crazy stuff happens, right? I mean, things that nobody would expect. So what's going on with, is this just so we talk about Kanye? Or do you think that there's a part of him that thinks maybe he could actually run? You know, I, I think that there is obviously, you know, he's not going to be on the ballot in, in 2020. It's much too late for that. Even though he says that he's going to run, I don't know if he could be a spoiler or write-in candidate. But the interesting thing about the Kanye thing, and in fact, I have a chapter on Kanye West in this book, Always a Soldier. Um, it's called The Kanye Effect. Now, I wrote that back when Kanye was super MAGA and, and said that he was going to vote for Trump. But the interesting thing about what he said in the Forbes interview is that he says over and over and over again, he said, if Trump wasn't there, I would run as a Republican. But since Trump is there, I'm going to run as an independent. He says things like um, black people should not be hold, beholden to the Democrat Party. He says things like uh, he tweeted and deleted something that was pro-life. So there's a lot of different ideas and, and information going on there. And even if Kanye West is not pro-Trump, even if he's not voting for Trump, even if he's not MAGA, like, that's fine. He is opening up an entire new conversation when it comes to African-Americans and politics. For so long, blacks have voted for Democrats at upwards of 90 percent. Now you have an unassailable, uncancelable cultural icon that is taking the hits to say, Black people don't have to be Democrats, and he's not apologizing for it. So I, I think that it, it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's going to be fascinating to watch. And maybe when 2024, when he 
you know, does the paperwork and actually can get on the ballot. Like, we will see him running in the Republican primary. I think that would be interesting. Do you think that there is uh, going to be a conversation that happens among leaders in the in the black community about, you know, we we're seeing this spike in violence right now. And it in, in New York, 100 percent of the people who have been shot, there's been this huge, but 100 percent of them are black. Um, who, who have been shot and yeah. killed in New York City. And there's been this huge 40 percent or so spike in in, uh, in shootings and homicides. So, you know, at, at what point do you think the voices within the black community I mean, leaders within the black community start to speak up and just say, look, maybe we're on board for the rest of the Democrat Party's agenda. But this stuff has actually got to stop and it's urgent and it's now. Well, I think that, you know, we are hearing a lot of voices of a lot of leaders in in the black community. I I think that when we talk about black leaders, we so often think about the left. We think about the Al Sharptons and we think about um, the Colin Kaepernick's and all those who get so much attention. There are so many leaders in the the black community that are on the conservative side, like uh, God, Pastor um, Daryl Scott, like uh, Jack Brewer, like a lot of people that are having this conversation, like Larry Elder, you know what I mean? Uh, so so these people are leaders of the black community, too. They just haven't been anointed by white liberals to speak on behalf of, of African-Americans. So that conversation is having. Now, the question is, are these black liberal leaders, quote unquote leaders, are they actually going to have the conversation with both sides of the aisle to come together or are they just going to keep on with the race scam and the race hustle and say that every single problem that plagues the African-American community nowadays is about white racism? Because I do not believe that is true. We know that that is not true. So are these two factions going to work together or are they just going to keep arguing and sniping with each other? Now, for me, when I look at the black conservative leaders, they are more than willing and more than open to walk across to work across the aisle like that. That's what we do. But when it comes to the black leaders on the left, they are so into this idea that black conservatives or coons or Uncle Toms are self-hating or don't care about the black community or anything like that, that they keep on having one portion of the conversation. So if the black leaders on the left are having one portion of the conversation and black leaders on the right are having another portion of the conversation, at a certain point, some people are going to have to come together to to figure out some options and, and some solutions here. So that's what I hope happens. Rob Smith, everybody, check out his book, Always a Soldier, and watch him on the first. Rob, thanks for your service, for your book, and for hanging out with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Buck. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Producer Mark, guess what I did? I watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. And I know we did, we talked about this a little bit. You liked it and everyone is entitled to their opinion. So I will not I will not ask you to defend you. You've stated your opinion, which is that it's I, I, one out of ten. I'll just ask you that one out of ten. What would you give it? Um, like an eight. And it, OK, yeah. you like it. You put it. That's like in the very good category. It's not, not my favorite thing. show I've ever seen, but I, I, I enjoyed good. it. OK. All right, so Producer Mark likes it. And the good thing for Producer Mark on this particular issue is that it has made a billion dollars and it is, I think, the most successful Broadway play, certainly in a first run of all time. And it's a cultural phenomenon. And I, I know someone who 
paid people to stand in line for her so that she could see this eight times. I am not kidding, okay? And paying the, 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 uh, the tickets on the secondary market, I think that's where we're not supposed to say scalpers anymore, right? So we say secondary market. Is that the way this is now? The, the, the tickets out there were up to $1,000 for just not even the best tickets, just pretty good tickets. It was so expensive. Everybody was going to see it. Everybody's going to see it. And I, I'm thinking, I, what exactly is the... Okay, so I watched, I watched it last night. And uh, this may not come as a surprise to you. Oh, but before I, I tell you my, my take on it, I was just curious. So I put out a poll last night on Twitter to see what people said about this one. And it was, uh, I, I, the Broadway play Hamilton is the best show ever. Good, but not great. So I feel like producer Mark is probably maybe in that category. Good, but not great. Or maybe very good, we could say. So in between those two. Meh, just okay, and awful, it's all hype. We got over 7,000 votes, and 57% said, awful, it's all hype. 8% said it's the best show ever. This is based on my Twitter audience. Um, I thought it was completely unwatchable. <laughs> I thought it was so bad. I could, okay, let me tell you why I think it's so bad. I've been waiting. I would not, I did not critique it until I saw it. I've been waiting because everyone's, oh, everyone's talking about it. Everyone's to go see it. I remember Vice President Pence went and that caused a huge thing. I've been waiting to say anything about it uh, until I actually was weighing in on something that I had experienced myself. Now, look, maybe a few things here. Maybe a few things here. Uh, if you see it live in the Broadway theater, that's a better experience. And I'll, I'll take because I watched it on Disney Plus, obviously, like a lot of people are. Um, so here are my here are my specific criticisms of it. Uh, let's start with this. Lin-Manuel Miranda can't sing. Like, I can't sing. He's in a Broadway musical and he's singing and he's bad at it. So I, I just I want to know why that's like, OK. I just that that's a part for me. That's an issue, right? If you're watching, if we're if we're watching a, a hockey game and I step out there on the ice and I can't skate, even if all the other players around me are really good and everything else kind of ruins it. that There's some guy who's like falling down all the time because he can't skate. Lin-Manuel, Lin-Manuel Miranda is not a good singer at all. Not even a little bit. It's not even close. OK. What else? The music now, I went into this, no, and I'm tr- see, I'm trying to, to look at this as, as a piece of art and not as a political statement of some kind. I, I, I'm looking at this purely as, as entertainment. And I know that I'm, I'm, so many people love it, and, and you know, maybe I'm, a, there are other, you know, I think that, you know, Bruce Springsteen and Billy Joel are both super overrated, and every time I say that, I get all this hate email that I don't know what you I'm talking about. So bite people, your tongue. Yeah, exactly. Producer Mark disagrees with me on that, too. So so I, I understand that maybe there's something maybe there's something wrong with me. I completely accept 100 percent that possibility. Right. Right. Fair enough. But since we're since we're analyzing this a little bit. So, so I'm watching the Hamilton and and I'm thinking this music, it, it's it's just not. And look, I understand that there's a lot of hip hop, a lot of rapping and people would say, oh, well, do you like I actually grew up listening to a lot of hip hop music and uh, probably would surprise people how much I listen to and know 
about hip hop music from the 90s, not from I don't listen to it a lot now, contemporary hip hop, but I I know 90s hip hop well and have some appreciation for it, I think. And used to I still listen to it a little bit, but used to listen to it a lot because uh, that was just very common in my peer group in New York. Everybody was listening to hip hop music. This is in the era of Biggie and uh, Tupac and, you know, earlier days of Jay-Z and so on and so forth. You know, Nas, Method Man, I can see it. We, you know, the Wu-Tang, we talk about this all day. The rapping is not good. And the music is not memorable. And the storyline is kind of just like, uh, like somebody read the Wikipedia entry for Alexander Hamilton and picked out a couple things and like mashed it all together. I, 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 I look, I wanted to come on and the show now and tell you that I was pleasantly surprised by how much it was better than I thought it would be. Producer Mark liked it. I was hoping I was going to... He told me to watch Miracle about the ice hockey thing with the Russians, and I did, and it was very, very good. I just watched this thing, and I, I look, I hated it. <laughs> just, I couldn't... It was terrible. It was... I'm like, I can't believe that people like this so much, spend so much money to see it, and we all pretend like this is some great, great achievement of art and culture. Um... I, I give it two thumbs way down, way down. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ain't no party like a Team Buck party, because a Team Buck party don't stop. Yeah, we got Buck turned up to 11. It's time for Roll Call. Roll Call. Producer Mark, I know you're just not surprised by my, my cultural and artistic takes anymore. I it's mean, okay, you can say. In one segment, you said you hated Hamilton, Billy Joel, and Bruce Springsteen. I know. Are you sure you're not a communist? Uh, it's, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a fair question to ask, considering <laughs> the, the tastes of a lot of folks out there, but, you know. I just I I tried I really did I really tried and the whole thing to me was it's just you know there's so many decisions and I'm not even getting into the politics of it which a lot of other people are you know view it as anyway and now it's getting in trouble for it not being like left wing enough or you know not dealing with the issue of slavery enough I don't I don't even know why they want to cancel but they want to cancel it for some reason do, do you like other musicals like the recent ones that are good. Um, like, well, give me some. I, like, I, I saw, I mean, I saw uh, the Book of Mormon and it was well done for what it was. I thought there, I thought it was a little bit more heavy handed than it needed to be. And, uh, you know, it was okay. I'm trying to think. Like the, the two, my favorites that I've seen on Broadway are Come From Away and Dear Evan Hansen. I, I think those are phenomenal. I, I haven't seen either of those. Those are phenomenal. I, um, I took the Snow Princess to see. Uh, it's a long story, but I took her to see Frozen on Broadway, uh, which was a very expensive way of seeing Ugh. what we could have just watched in a better version on the Disney cartoon at home. Yeah, that's one um, of the ones not will... coming back when Broadway opens up again. That's not. That's not coming back. Yeah, they canceled it officially. 
it it was it was um not a good play <laughs> or not a good musical i should say not good you just don't see good shows i have a friend who's very big into broadway whenever i want to see a show i just text him what should i see ah yeah mm. maybe i should do i did see many years ago Hedwig and the Angry Inch, which I can't even describe on radio, really, what the play's about without people going, oh, my gosh. Uh, needless to say, I did not like that. Um, and it was particularly interesting when the lead actor, uh, who is the guy uh, from what's the serial killer show where he's a good serial killer? What? Dexter. Oh, Dexter. Yep. The guy from Dexter was the lead actor. And he jumped out into the crowd and put a big uh, wet kiss on the lips of the guy sitting next to me. So I, I missed getting getting a smooch from that guy by like one seat. Oh, there's no way the guy next to you wasn't part of the show. You never ah, once considered that? It seemed like he was part of the show. You dude. never I, once I considered think... that he was a plant? I mean, he seemed uh, he seemed pretty startled, but you know, I don't know, man. I'm, it it was. There is no way he just went and kissed some random person in the audience. Come on. Uh, okay, I mean, maybe I'm just telling you that happened. I mean, look, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I, uh, I was a little, I was a little. Whoa, hey, this is a spicy show. Um, I've seen what else have I? Oh, I saw uh, Moulin Rouge. That was fun. That was fun. So I'll say that. that it was just seems to me you're not seeing the right shows. Isn't Dear Evan Hansen very sad? Yes. I don't like sad things. That's very good. Come From Away is very sad as well. Anyth- a- and, you know, I don't like sad things. I, can't, I just can't handle them. Man. Anything where someone tells me that like the dog dies in a, any kind of a movie, or any, I just can't. I, you know, Life is sad enough. I don't know. I don't like the sad stuff. Yeah, but, but the music is good. It's a good uh, story. Maybe, maybe I'll check that out. Uh. Well, anyway, producer Mark likes it. For those of you who like Hamilton in the audience, he likes it, so he's with you, and that's probably going to be a lot of you, but I, I personally think that uh, it's just... It, anyway, you, you know how I feel about Hamilton now. It took me years, years I've been waiting to weigh in on this one, and I just think that it was, uh, you know what I think, really, really bad. All right, we have roll call to get to, and I got a little delayed, but we'll do it. Oh, don't forget, producer Mark's favorite homework, listening to all of your voicemail, when you call in uh, 844-900-2825, 844-900-BUCK. That's the way to do it. Please tell producer Mark yeah. uh, what you think about the show. Ask questions. Keep it to less than a minute, if you would, please. We'll, we'll, we'll expand it a less than a minute, but really it's got to be less than a minute. Okay, that's, yeah. Thanks for ruining my afternoon. Less than 30 seconds, and they've been like three minutes. So yeah. let's say less than a minute. But it's really, I'm going to tell Bruce and Mark, if it goes more than 60 seconds, unless you're giving us the secret formula to Coca-Cola or something, he's going to press delete. And if you're giving us the secret formula to Coca-Cola, I'm not going to air that. I'm going to steal it. Good point. Why would you even do that? Yeah. Bruce and Mark will be uh, lighting his cigars with $100 bills, riding around in his G6, maybe having room for the rest of the Freedom Hut crew. We'll see. Maybe. Uh, All right. Andrew. Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton to write it on Facebook or Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. Andrew's up here. Hey, Buck, I live in a liberal part of Cleveland. My neighbor across the street is very right wing like me. I mentioned your name and that you've been on Tucker Carlson's show. Uh, he didn't remember your name, but when I said he's the one with the great swoop, 
His eyes lit up, and he knew exactly who you were. I added another one to the Freedom Hut. Shields high. Well, thank you, Andrew. The swoop is something of a trademark. So, although I was thinking about going to get an an official haircut today. Like, go get a a professional human being to cut my hair so that it's a little... Because it does get hot in the summer to carry the swoop around. I mean, even when you get a haircut, you still have the swoop. It's just not as big. Yeah, it's it's like a tiny swoop. It's a summer swoop, which is smaller. Whereas producer Mark goes with the aerodynamic look all the time. Well, yeah, what do you have, like a two on the Clippers? A three? A two, yeah. A two, yeah, he keeps it. It's hot out. Yeah, it's not and even like high and hats. tight. It's just, it's just your haircut's just tight. Yeah, I wear yeah. hats a lot too, so it's easier to wear a hat with a buzz cut. Oh, look at, look at producer Mark showing off that his head is actually normal, so he can wear hats, unlike some of us. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, I'll never I, buy you a hat, that's for sure. I, I will take a photo one day. People are always like, oh, come on. I have a big head, too. I'm like, you don't understand. If I put on a baseball cap, you'll be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what's What has happened to you? <laughs> it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. The head's too big. I look ridiculous. And what ends up happening is I have to, like, pull it back so that the front of my hair kind of shows. And then it looks like I don't know how to wear a baseball hat. You know, it's almost like the equivalent. It's like the hat equivalent of having a plumber's crack. You know, it's like you can't get your belt to tighten up enough so that you, you know, your your butt crack doesn't show when you're, you know, you know. Yeah, that's crack. the story of my life. Subtitle of my my biography. My hat is like a plumber's crack. No, I have a plumber's crack. Ah, oh, yeah. oh. you know, that hap- It happens. It happens. The main All title right. is "Give Me a Sec," the Buck Sexton story. That's true. <laughs> Give, give me a sec. That's that's what I need to get the show going. Uh, Alex, not sure if you addressed this yet. What's your opinion on Kanye? Is he done with Trump or is he trying to pull black voters away from Biden to help Trump? Well, Alex, we did speak to our friend Rob Smith about this. I I, I don't think that I think the Kanye thing is going to be nothing. That's what I honestly think. Uh, Rob seems to pretty much agree with that. You know, you can't totally count out that Kanye would do some kind of write in campaign or something. But that then feels really like it is a publicity stunt and not anything that's really going to have any sway with the uh, Electoral College or anything like that. So we'll see. But that's where I'm. I I think it's going to be a a whole lot of nothing would be my guess. Dave. Hey, Buck. Shields high, brother. I'm an avid listener and fan of the show. I've been hearing you talk about how we need to take a stand. And God knows I agree with you. However, something occurred to me with some of these firings you've been seeing. An L.A. Galaxy soccer player was fired because of a tweet his wife sent without his knowledge. I thought about that, and while I'm certainly willing to put my opinion out there and deal with the blowback, my wife is a healthcare professional who has worked very hard at her career. I feel like the left is taking hostages now. If they pointed their gun at me, I'd die on my feet. But if I thought they'd pointed at her, I'd be more likely to kneel. Something to think about, really. Anyway, keep up the great work. Dave, uh, wow, that's... I, I do remember that story, and what you raise is a, a very important issue, I have to say. I, I agree with you. Um, I agree with you that that's a concern, and that's a very different thing. When you're taking a risk to yourself or your career by speaking. And remember, I also tell you, if you really think you're going to get big blowback on something and you can stomach dealing with what you got to deal with, you know, don't. What do I always say? Don't charge the machine gun nest without a plan to take them. Like, don't don't just get out there and get mowed down because you think that that's some act of glory on this culture war issue. 
when really you're just giving the left another another, uh, you know, notch on the belt, so to speak. Right. They're just going to see this as body count. So don't do that. Um, As I've been telling you, one way to safely be in the fight is to support. If you like this show, support this show. Check out our sponsors, share the podcast with people, spread the word. And, you know, if there are other shows you like, you can do that, too, although that's obviously not as helpful for the for the American Republic as helping this show. But that's OK. You can help those other shows a little bit if you want to, but help this show more. Uh, but no, really, that's that's what needs to that's what needs to be a part of this calculation. What can you do without taking too much by way of risk to yourself, but also the way of risk to your loved ones? And I, I'm surprised that there wasn't more outrage and there wasn't more of a conservative focus on that case, because, yeah, if you can be fired for what someone else tweets. But, you know, remember, I think it was the stepmother of one of the officers uh, charged with murder in Atlanta. Remember, not the George Floyd case. That was really bad with that cop. Uh, I'm not talking about that case. I'm talking about the Atlanta getting taser or getting the taser gun fired at them officers. One of those, uh, the cop who is the one who actually shot uh, shot Rayshard Brooks. His, I think it was his stepmother, or I think it was his stepmother, was fired from her job. She didn't do anything. Had nothing to do with anything. Fired from her job. Too much of a risk, they think, to their brand to have a relative of a cop wrongfully accused of murder. So this is the society we live in now. It's, it's real. You got you to gotta be cautious. I don't want people taking losses. I don't want our side taking hits for no reason. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. More roll call. Remember, Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Please follow our Facebook page if you have not already. Please follow us. We post the Buck Brief there now. We have, uh, we have tweets that go up there, all kinds of good stuff. And allows you to write in for roll call, which is obviously super fun because then producer markets to read everything you write. So there you go. John, Buck, I'm a Vietnam vet, and I hate firecrackers. They sound too much like small arms fire. Back in January, my neighbors had some firecrackers left over from New Year's Eve and set them off the next morning around 7 a.m. I was still in bed and without truly waking up, dove out of bed onto the floor. I'm 73. I hurt my neck and back and my right wrist. I know other vets who have the same reaction to fireworks. I'm able to watch the large fireworks displays that cities have, but these random unexpected pops are like being sent back into combat. You get over in a few minutes, but I can see uh, having a heart attack. Well, John, I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Please, you know, take care of yourself. And um, I can imagine, especially as a Vietnam vet who saw combat and was in small arms firefights, that that would uh, possibly trigger some PTSD. So um, I had friends who came back from Iraq. And for them, one thing that for I, I knew one person very well who when the phone would ring, a phone ring uh, sound, because for some reason it reminded her of incoming uh, mortar rounds. Not, not the mortars, but the siren that they would play. So she would, she would jump and get really tense. And So I, I know that's, that's very real. John, you know, be, be cautious, take care of yourself, and thank you for raising this for other folks out there who may have the same problem. Kristen, LOL, the fireworks talk from producer Marcus Hilarious. Get off my lawn! And take those dag-nabbit blasted fireworks with you. So producer Mark has somebody who agrees with him that fireworks are not good. I Actually, mean, a couple of people. You agree with me. Yeah, of course. It's very rare we agree. Yeah, no, fireworks, I'm, I'm not into it at all. Yeah. I don't understand. 
Do you remember the... Did they ever, I might be too old for you to... Well, you might be too young is what I'm really saying. For, you know, there were these things that people used... They were like a, it was like a, almost like a Q-tip that you'd throw on the ground. That oh, yeah. Little... You'd give them at state fairs? Yeah. Yes. I used to play with those when I was a kid. It's like snap, crackle, pop things oh. you throw. I don't know what they're called. It's, you know. Uh, yeah, I forget what they're called. But they're like the little white Q-tip type things that you just throw on the mm-hmm. ground and they make a loud noise. Mm-hmm. Make a little pop noise. Yeah. I remember playing with a kid. It was so much easier to entertain kids. Now they need, like, Call of Duty 7, Super Modern Warfare. Back in the day, I'll just tell you, back in the day, people like me had to make do with uh, slap bracelets. I don't, people don't even know what that is, probably. Slap bracelets, bubble yum tape, and uh, those little pop things you throw at the floor. Maybe a yo-yo, something like yeah, that's that. Yeah, right, a, a yo-yo. Ball. I remember hearing once that a yo-yo there was I think it's an urban legend that a yo-yo started out as a uh, as a, a weapon in Southeast Asia. I, I find that hard to believe, though. Those things, the, the heavy ones, they could be used as a weapon. Sure. I don't know if they that was their intended purpose, but yeah, I yeah. could see it. Sounds like an urban legend to me, but who knows? Ronald Buck, I live at Lake of the Ozarks and listen to you using iHeartRadio on KFAB Omaha. Awesome. The thing that drew me to you was you analyze foreign affairs. You've gotten away from this. I do understand you're currently talking about the lead story, but there are other things happening in the world. For example, tensions between China and India. Can you at least dedicate some time each night or one day a week to discuss foreign affairs? Hey, Ronald, man, first of all, thank you so much for listening. Great to have you as part of the team. And uh, sure, uh, you know, there hasn't been a lot of foreign affairs news, but I, I will. How about I'll, I'll dive into what's going on with China, India uh, U.S.-China relations tomorrow. Uh, that I'll I'll do that um, because we haven't been. Look, I I am a foreign policy guy by trade, by background, but it hasn't been as big, especially in the COVID era. It just hasn't been something. You know, no one cares about Iran right now. I don't know what else to say. So that doesn't though apply to everything. Clearly, China. There there are some stories, the foreign policy stories that really do matter to us. So, uh, Ronald, a very uh, a worthwhile and appreciated point. Thank you very much for writing in. Um, I think that's going to be it for the. We got a lot. Producer Mark, make sure these other roll calls go in tomorrow, if you would please. Um, that's going to be it for the show today. Please uh, like and share the Buck Brief, which will go up on Facebook, and make sure you actually watch the Buck Brief because if you only watch for a second, that doesn't really count. We'll be back tomorrow. Shields high.